History surrounds us, and most of the time we don't even notice it. Welcome to Lost Massachusetts. My name is Garth Bruin, and I'm sitting here in the Lost Cabin with the gramophone playing while I drink my cup of hot Sanka. We usually see history preserved for us and specifically presented. Particularly in Massachusetts, you can travel to any number of towns, and the town center, the common, looks exactly as it did 200 years ago. And that's amazing. But there are many places that have slipped into the mist. These places can be seen if you know where to look. To me, the invisible history has always been more interesting. You may be surprised to find that a place like Massachusetts, with its busy cities and industrial buildup, would have ghost towns and paved over neighborhoods. But there are actually many more forgotten places in Massachusetts than I even thought possible. Each week, or two weeks, I'm not really sure, we will take you to one of these places. We'll talk to explorers and authors, we'll talk to locals, and maybe even people who remember the way that things were. To me, the invisible history has always been more interesting. You may be surprised to find that a place like Massachusetts, with its busy cities and industrial buildup, would have ghost towns and paved over neighborhoods. But there are actually many more of these forgotten places in Massachusetts than even I thought were possible. Each week, or two weeks, I don't know, uh, we will take you to one of these places. We'll talk to explorers and authors. We'll talk to locals, and maybe even people who remember the way things were. How does a whole town vanish? It's a mystery, but that's why we're here. So what defines the kind of place that we're exploring? We are focusing on former communities, places where people once lived and have since moved on for one reason or another, sometimes voluntary, sometimes involuntary. We'll also be discussing places that are still lived in, but have been so transformed as to nearly, but not completely, be erased from the past. There are, of course, many kinds of abandoned places, hospitals, amusement parks, factories. These are interesting, to be sure, and contain considerable history, but we're focusing on communities of a certain scale. Some of these places, in a legal sense, might be described as being defunct, extinct, archaic, dissolved, or annexed. Some are not defined at all. Some of them aren't even named. Some are only rumors, because... They are so lost. If you want some more details on what defines a lost place, you can look for a blog entry on our site that's called What Makes a Place Lost. So you might be wondering, how big is this universe of lost Massachusetts? Well, to give you a hint, I'm looking at a list of over 400 different places within Massachusetts that have vanished in one way or another. Uh, that sounds like a big number. It even seems like a big number to me, and I've been reading about all of them. <clears throat> I'll give you two examples of uh, some of these lost places. I was hiking on a hiking trip over the summer through the Royalston area of Massachusetts and not specifically looking for a ghost town. But as we were hiking deep in the woods, we came across what was clearly an old abandoned road that had many cellar holes around it. 
fairly large cellar holes. And clearly at one time, there were houses here, there was a community of some kind. And I didn't know anything about it, and now I'm going to have to find out what it was. Another example was a conversation I had with a friend from Brighton last night, who told me about three different vanished communities just inside of Brighton that I now have to investigate. So, there's a lot to look at, there's a lot to see. Stay tuned. That's enough introduction for now. Right after the commercial, we will put our walking shoes on and go out to the first lost Massachusetts place we'll be covering, which is called First Encounter Beach. So right now I'm walking on soft sand under clear blue skies with occasional white puffy clouds or happy little clouds, as Bob Ross would say. And this is a happy little place. Actually, the whole thing looks like a Bob Ross painting. It's a beach in East Ham, Massachusetts, which is on Cape Cod. Most people just call it the Cape. And the Cape is a geological monstrosity. It's a massive sandbar created at the end of the Ice Age. And it's constantly remade by tides and nasty storms. It gives Mass its uh, distinctive shape. Otherwise, without Cape Cod, Massachusetts would kind of look like Connecticut. It's August, and this beach is full of kids playing wiffle ball, collecting hermit crabs. People are sunbathing, riding paddle boards. Families are sitting around talking and relaxing. The beach is on the bay side of Cape Cod, which means three things. One, there's hardly ever any sharks. Two, it's one of the few places you can see the sunset into the ocean on the east coast. And three, when the tide goes out, it leaves miles of flat, walkable sand that never seems to end until the water returns. You can even walk out to oyster farms and watch tonight's dinner being harvested. The name of this beach is First Encounter, and it has a curious history that marks the crossroads of two civilizations. It's actually the starting place of the first lost Massachusetts. You found snails? What else? Hermit crab and we found a shell. And you found a shell? That's it. Yeah, what do you usually find? Like a, a crab that had a pointy nose thing and it had like these long legs. And what happened? Like a spider. It looked like it might have been a spider crab. A rock crab. Yeah. Is that your favorite part of the beach? Finding strange stuff? Kind of actually. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> That's cool. What about the slime? The slime is part of the cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else do you like about the beach? The water. You like the water? Look how pretty it is. It is pretty, isn't it? And how I see that big muscle there. You see a muscle from here? Yes. Okay. Cool. Hmm. Now. So I'm holding what is uh, called a razor clam. And it's kind of two reasons why it's called a razor clam. One is that they can be really, really sharp. And they can cut your feet. And that's happened to me more than once running through the beach. And you don't see it. I mean, they're bright white, so you can't avoid them. The other reason is that if you, if you find an intact one one that hasn't been broken up completely. It actually folds in and out just like an old-time straight razor. 
Like if you know what a straight razor handle looks like, it has the blade and the blade folds into the wooden handle and that's exactly what these, uh, these shells look like. I just found a giant living horseshoe crab. Really cool. So I'm out at the flat part of the bay where the oyster farms are and there are these big mesh uh, bags where the oysters grow and the mesh bags keep birds from pilfering the, uh, the oysters so the farmers can get them. And this has some benefits, not only for people farming oysters, but the oysters themselves help clean the water. The oysters take in uh, dirty water and they pump out clean water. So it actually helps. Hi there. Um, do you know what uh, the name of the beach is that we're walking on? First Encounter. Do you know why it's called First Encounter? Uh, I don't, to tell you the truth. So this is the first place that the, um, the inhabitants or uh, passengers of the Mayflower came across the native peoples. Really? Yeah, so in, in, in here, in this bay, the, uh, the native people were out here probably fishing, and a boat from the Mayflower came ashore, and they were looking to do some hunting, and the, uh, the locals, the Nosset people, uh, chased them off with their uh, bows and arrows. Huh. And so wow. this was technically the first place where the Europeans and, uh, and the natives met in Massachusetts. Nice. That's what they call it, first encounter. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's all. They should have been fishing or hunting that day in the river between the marsh and the sea, but they had a problem. For days they had heard stories about strangers in weird canoes that stole food and showed no respect for our graveyards. They wore heavy black clothes and their skin looked like that of an alewife, pale white, sickly, or even like that of a dead person. They had been seen in other places before and sometimes brought sickness with them, or even took people by force back to the sea who were never seen again. But today, the Nossets were ready for these strangers, and they notched their sharpest arrows as the strangers tried to bring their canoe to shore. That was my dramatic interpretation of what may have happened when pilgrims from the Mayflower first ran across the Nossets at what is now called First Encounter Beach. But I don't know. It was 400 years ago. Uh, but we're going to dive deep into the lost history of Massachusetts throughout this podcast. And more importantly, I will tell you how to get to Lost Encounter right after this brief commercial. Okay, 
How do you get to First Encounter Beach? You go east on Route 6, Massachusetts Route 6, until you get to East Ham, Massachusetts. You'll want to look for the traffic light at Samoset Road, and you'll know that it's Samoset because the town hall will be on your right, on the left will be the East Ham Superette, and you'll drive by an old windmill. Keep driving all the way to the end of Samoset Road, and you'll get to a parking lot. The parking lot is a beach parking lot, and if you come before 3 p.m. during the summer, you'll have to pay to park at the beach. Turn left and drive all the way to the end of the long parking lot. Walk onto the beach and just keep walking until you fall in the water. So, this is my first podcast. On setting it up, I was presented with a language choice of English parentheses Jersey. And I'm not sure if that's New Jersey or Jersey Island in the uh, channel between England and France. So I apologize if you're from either place and I don't sound like I'm from either place because I'm not. You can find more information about Lost Massachusetts Places at lostmassachusetts.com. Check out our bookstore where we recommend books by Joseph Citro and others. You can send us a postcard from a lost place of your own, or you can have one of our Lost Massachusetts postcards sent to you or a friend. Become a member of LostMassachusetts.com, and we'll send a postcard prior to each new episode. Come join us next time for more mysterious journeys into the past. For now, this is Garth signing off from the Lost Cabin somewhere in rural Massachusetts. Hi, it's Garth again. Uh, If you're listening to this for the second time, you might say to yourself, hey, this is different. Well, it is different. I made some edits after hearing it myself again and getting some feedback, mostly positive feedback. There were pops at the beginning of some segments. Others just kind of dropped off. There were a few other edits that uh, I think made it flow a little bit better. I also want to give the listener a preview of the next episode. The next episode will also be on Cape Cod. Cape Cod surprisingly has a number of lost places that are worth checking out. Uh, This particular subject will be about a couple of floating villages, and I'll explain what that means in the podcast. It's very interesting, and there's quite a bit of uh, remains of these floating villages to be seen today, and it's, it's an interesting story. Some of you might be wondering how I got my start in this, where my interest came from, and I've always been interested in uh, sort of the, the old and the odd. And in particular, when I was young, my grandparents had a house on a high, steep hill in Malden, Massachusetts. If you're familiar with Malden and some of the surrounding towns, you'll know about their steep hills and massive boulders that are scattered throughout residential neighborhoods. It's, it's an interesting landscape. So it felt like, to me, there were a thousand steps from the street, and I remember going up there during winter storms around Christmas time, and thinking that uh, it just took forever, and it was you know painful in the uh, in the cold, icy wind to get up there. But behind the house, uh, there was this vast sort of 
overgrown landscape that I used to explore. And one day I found this crumbling old advertisements painted on these old walls. It was actually an abandoned grocery store. Uh, and it had just been sitting there and kind of rotting for probably 50 years or more. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. There was a big Coca-Cola ad and there were some other ads and there were the uh, prices of different types of groceries painted on the wall. It was, uh, it was really interesting. So that's the kind of place that uh, has drawn my interest over the years. And I've always kind of sought them out. I mean, there are plenty of ruins to look at all over the world. But this stuff is just ordinary pedestrian things. It's not a castle, but it's something that was part of somebody's life. It's an ordinary part of somebody's life. And it's actually more recent than some of these other grand ancient places. And, you know, where do I find out about some of these places? Uh, I find out about them word of mouth. I find out by doing research. But a lot of them came from different books I've read about New England history and about New England legends. And I'm setting up a bookstore at the website. It's a little clunky right now, but it will get better. And I will put some of the source books for the places that we visit in there. Uh, a lot of authors write interesting stories about the legends and history of Massachusetts and New England in general. I'm also going to be, hopefully soon, making available a postcard function, which will enable people to get and send postcards from the lost places that we visit in the podcast. And I'll be talking more about that. So for now, thanks again for listening to the podcast, and I hope to see you next time.